Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello? Hello, Michael? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, miserable. I was going to say some recording oh, no. started. I can't be. Started. I heard that. It said recording started. <laughs> That's got to be. Oh, well. We'll just have to chop off the beginning part of it. Um, <laughs> But I didn't press recording. Huh. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, just. Uh, it is what it is. So. Sometimes you're so sick of being sick, you know what I mean? Every uh, day yeah. for years and years <laughs> and decades and decades and since I can recall, you know. And so but this past month has been real tough with a cold and chest infection. Got itch fits, you name it. I'm going through it right now along with the MS. Wow. Very miserable, well, to say the least. We're praying for you. We're we're, we're keeping you in prayer. Yeah, I I I, 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 uh, I heard that with uh, what Derek said in that he just posted those last two uh, shows or recordings, and uh, I can't remember the, the titles of them again because I'm not looking at it. Um, oh, what were the last two ones? The last two ones were perfect. Well, the ones that just got put up. Be ye holy for our fathers holy, or be ye perfect for our fathers perfect, and um, going after filthy lucre or filthy something. Yeah, yeah. Or oh Good. no, uncertain riches, uncertain riches. Yeah, that's what there it is. you go. Yeah, it was really some nice, uh, nice, 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 uh, wonderful message. I tell you, one of the one, uh, mm. well, both of them were always great, but. The, uh, be perfect or be the per- be perfect, whatever it is. Uh, that was like, wow, that was one of the most amazing messages I ever heard. It's like, my guy, he, was, he was really on fire that night. So, hey, this is, oh, yeah. so here's, and there's Derek, he's with us too. So, because of my, hey, Derek. Hey, how's it going? I, hey, hey, because <laughs> so how I'm feeling, how you feeling, man. Oh, it's you. You know what? If you're gonna, if okay, you, you've you've shared what six, eight months of your life with me so far, an evening for almost every week. I'm gonna tell you, you might as well get used to the fact that you're dealing with a brother who's got a chronic uh, degenerative disease called multiple sclerosis. Plus, I got a lot of other complications along with it. Although God's blessed me mightily to keep me going. And uh, in all rights, I should be in a wheelchair in a nursing home. And he has me, you know, still fighting the good fight for him. So. But saying that, I'm not, not to try to get your sympathy. I'm just, I don't know what's going 
Wow. I can't hear myself talk. Sorry. Please. That's right. Um, that, that, um, I apologize. I'll mute myself. It's my Bluetooth. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, not that I'm looking for any sympathy or anything. It just is what it is, brother. Live in a fallen world and a fallen state. No matter what, I'm always going to, I mean, it's, <laughs> oh, thank goodness. It, you know what? Thank goodness this mortal life sentence is, 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 net, is only a life sentence. And not an eternity, huh? That's all I got to say. <laughs> Praise the Lord on that oh, absolutely. one. Oh, so, yeah. I, like this past week, I mean, since I've talked to you, I mean, I've it got me on a couple different medications, but there's still, I got everything you can imagine wrong right now. So, it is what it is. So. Oh, man. Cold, you want to just cold. Cold. No, no. Actually, what I was thinking of doing, this would be really cool. And um, uh, I don't want to cancel it. But I was, uh, I'm going to hand this over to you and Sarah. And this is an opportunity I want, if Sarah's willing to, you're willing to, she will be the host. You can start out in prayer together and then end it. And I will make sure it gets posted. Because uh, the message is more important. Our Lord and Savior is more important than me. Or any of us oh, for that. Absolutely. So I'm, no, I'm totally. Really... I just. They hate to see you in that situation, you know, putting strain on you. you <laughs> it is what it is. And eventually, you know what? That the ticker's gonna stop and everything else. It's gonna happen to you too, Derek. <laughs> and oh, yeah, to you, Sarah. Absolutely. And everybody else. So when your time's up, your time's up. So if you're gonna have a chance to do something in life, you might as well do it for a truly worthy cause, our Lord and Savior, our King, King, and our God. I mean, so, I don't, I, I don't deserve any empathy or sympathy. For, I just, it, it is. We're on the same boat. So, you know, there's other people out there that need to hear the truth, and need to hear the tr the message of what the what truth is, who who He is, and the way in the life. And it's, you know what. I, oh yeah! By the way, one more thing we get going too. Did, did uh, you get an e email from Ethan Lee? Yet, Derek. Ethan Lee. Yeah, it's a guy that I've done a couple. Uh, once in a while, we do uh, a show series called Two Broken Vessels. Well, my anyways, oh yeah, what's going on with him? I think he wants you to. He wants to talk to you about helping him out with his uh, uh, I guess his his his, his deliverance with. Uh, I'll let you let him explain the whole situation. Or uh, I guess it would be mm -hmm. his ex 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 and her, and she. Says just she believes in Jesus Christ, but she's absolutely, I don't know, he wants to talk to you. So he didn't ask, he, he, he didn't, I mean, he, he just what he said specifically, he wants to talk to you, Derek. He didn't want to talk to me, so he didn't even bring much up to me. He brought me up a little bit as to speed of what's happening as far as uh, Satan using her to get him off track of serving him serving our lord savior but uh she's got some serious demons to deal with you know what i mean and i i i'll let him if you want to talk to him so 
supposed to email well, I don't you. I have a problem with that. I mean, um, yeah, he can email me or, you know, do, how, do you know this guy at all or no? Yeah, yeah. I've done a couple show, we've done half a dozen shows together and it's been quite a bit talking. Okay, well, yeah, he you can his... call me then. I mean, because I know that you know him. If it wasn't for that, I would have been like, yeah, give me an email, but he can get well, my fi- number if he wants. If that'll make he's it supposed, easier he's... for him. He's supposed to have. I I gave him your email because he asked okay. for your email, and he's supposed to. I don't know if he's given if he's emailed you yet. That's what I was asking. Did so you when see was anything that, in the, today? Yeah, today. This it it would be this evening if he would have done it yet. But if that that's if not, don't worry about it. You know, just heads up. There would be a young man named Ethan Leaves, a, a brother in Christ, and uh, you you get a chance talking mm-hmm. to him. You can see his 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 uh his web his website and his YouTube channel is his finding peace through Jesus. That's the name of it. And he's in his thirties, and uh, so he's a good man. So, anyways, he wants you. He wants to at least talk to you about seeing what he can do about deli- deliverance for his uh, ex. I don't even think they had a children together. Let me rephrase that. They never had a child together. What happened was that he ended up, I think, marrying her, and she had a child from another gentleman. Mm-hmm. And we'll tell you the whole story. But anyways, she keeps, she left him, and she keeps showing up over and over again, and uh, he's putting them in like this bad position where he and he makes it really clear to her that he doesn't want anything to do with her he wants her to be saved though and he's put him in his and uh, you have to talk to him about it so uh, absolutely that's not so an I, issue all right what, what's the name of the show going to be tonight and then did you hear what i uh, said sarah about i did i did you, i mean okay yeah you're going to yeah. host it if it's all right with you this is going to be good practice, by the way, because down the road, because at some point, regardless of how things work out, it seems like you guys are working together anyways for all this time. Keep on working together. And this is a practice for you, too. You know what I mean? Because uh, I can well, see. Did you, still that, want to do, did you still want to do what you normally do? Just, you know, no. introduce, say, hey, this is Derek Hallett's down the Trumpet Ministries and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you're going to do be the one to interject. No, gonna you're going to. You're doing the introduction. <laughs> Good for everything all concerned. Okay, you know you know who Derek is. You know what the ministry is, and we're going to get right now learn mm-hmm. about what the, what the what our study is for tonight. The teaching is, the name of it. I'll make okay. sure on my end to make sure to write down all the different verses and all that. I will make the video. I'm not. I'm just going to let you guys, you know, host, pray, and that kind of thing. Because I'm just not. All I'm going to do tonight is just get in the way, and Jesus goes first, so comes first. So, what's the name? What's the name? What's the name of the teaching, uh, Derek? Yeah, I just sent you an email for the main picture. Um, it's called "Man Shall Not Live by Bread Alone." So Amen. that's going to be the uh, the teaching tonight. And... Yeah, I mean, if anything, I could even host if Sarah's not feeling, you know, up to it. I mean, I think I've listened to 
enough of your messages to say, hey, this is old religion dystopia, you know, Michael Adams is out tonight. Oh, you if know, you want to blah, do that. Blah, blah, blah. You don't even have to mention me. I don't know if you noticed the last couple of videos, <laughs> not only because I haven't been feeling well, but, but God's been working on me to say, Mike, take as much out of old religion dystopia as possible with this. Because down the road, uh, well, you know, these are like uh, platforms, too, for you to say, hey, folks, here's a teaching I did, and regardless of whether it was on my show or wherever, uh, you know, about this particular I know, topic. But it's just it a out. lot of people will tune in to you, you know, like it's your you know, podcast. There's a guy that messaged me yesterday, and um, he said that, I heard you, I think it was two days ago, he said, I heard you on Michael Adams' podcast. He said, I really enjoy the teachings and everything like that. So, you know, I just don't want people to think that they're not hearing the same stream is all I'm saying. But right. if you right. wanted to just go well, on with I'll say this. Um, I'm, uh, whatever you guys want to do, I'm okay with. I mean, I'll, I'll interject because I am feeling better, Derek. So, but however you guys want to do it, I'm game for for whatever you want to do. I'm not going to try and say, you know, they one way or the other. However you guys plan to do that it This tonight. is a country radio station. All righty, y'all. They may just hang up. We got a representative from the city, from the suburb, and from the country here. How about that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That's funny. It'd be like, although here's how the y'all click. <laughs> I know, right? So, and anyways, the biggest thing is, I just don't want, I don't want to be, uh, I get this terrible cough along with this, this nose running and the aches and pains and everything else. It's been a long, this has been, anyways, it's, if it's not this or something else, I, I've never, I can't even remember when I've had a string of two healthy days in decades. So I don't know, you know, back to back two healthy days. So I just keep fighting. But there's just this, this round of things is just, I'm not going to fight it this this tonight. But I know it's important that we do this. So I'm going to, I'm not going to mute you guys. I'm going to mute myself. And I'm, and, uh, Mm After I start the, and the recording, so you can, and count of, I'll give you a count of 10 for you, you two to get ready here, okay? One, two, Absolutely. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, you guys go ahead. All right, guys, this is uh, Old Religion Dystopia, Knowing Versus Belief. Uh, tonight, um, Let's keep our brother Michael Adams in prayer. I know he didn't want me to mention him, but one thing I want to make clear tonight is we are the body of Christ, and we should be there for one another. So um, he's he's on, but he's not feeling very well. So prayers will be greatly appreciated tonight. But as for me, I'm Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com, and I'm along with uh, Sarah Hauser. And we're going to bring a teaching to you today. So, you know, it's important that um, we keep our brother in prayer and that we go on with the teaching. Um, Tonight's teaching will be called, Man Shall Not Live by Bread Alone. So 
You know, I'm, I'm here, and Sarah Hauser is here, and our brother Michael Adams is here in spirit. So this is awesome, and um, we'll be able to hopefully preach a good message tonight that people might be edified, that may lead them closer and closer into a relationship with Christ, that they may serve him and desire him. Because after all, it's all about Jesus. Are you here, Sarah? Yes. Yes. I'm just teasing. Yes. But, um, yeah, so, you know, hopefully tonight that people will uh, be edified by tonight's message. And um, I'm just uh, wondering, I guess we should get started. Uh, you want to say a few words and then go into prayer, or do you just want to pray and get started? Um, no, let's just pray and get started. All right. Can you pray us in? Yeah, no problem. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you this evening in Jesus' name. Thanking you, Lord God, for everything that you've done. Thanking you, Lord Jesus Christ, for giving us another day. And thanking you, Lord God, for another opportunity that you are giving us to preach the gospel and to reach others via YouTube and whatever means necessary in these last days. Lord Jesus Christ, I just want to thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy and your patience and your long-suffering with us as we grow in grace in our relationship with you to be sanctified, Lord Jesus Christ, and to just go out and do your will, Lord God, and to preach and to teach the gospel wherever you lead us to go in full obedience unto you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God Almighty, I'm also asking and praying in Jesus' name for our brother Michael Adams, that you will help him through everything that he's going through, that you will heal his body, Lord Jesus, and that you would just help him to grow and, and give him the strength that he needs, Lord God, to continue on and to do the work that you've given him to do, Lord Jesus Christ, to expose the enemy. Because that is what it's all about, Lord God. We only have one enemy in this life, and that is Satan. It is not people, Lord Jesus Christ. It is not anything else but that Satan and his demonic forces. And that's truly what we have got to realize, Lord God. It's not the person that we are fighting against. It's it's spiritual battle, Lord. This is the spiritual warfare that we are in, and we have got to be those soldiers, Lord Jesus Christ, ready for the battle. And even if it means we've got to leave everything behind in this life, Lord Jesus Christ, to follow after you. I pray, Lord God, that is what we are ready to do. I pray, Lord God, that we understand that is what we signed up for. Just like a military force, Lord Jesus Christ, when you sign up to go into the military, you expect to leave everything behind. And I'm praying, Lord Jesus Christ, we do the same for you because you are the most important individual in our life, Lord God, especially after everything that you've done for us. We may be battling diseases. We may be battling with our families. But, Lord God, you saved us. You saved us from the evil life that we were living, and nothing is greater than that. And you're expecting us to go out and to be your light bearers in this life, to show others, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are the only one that can heal them. You are the only one that can save them. You are the only one that can deliver them out of the hands of the evil ones. So give us the strength and the courage and the fortitude that we are going to need, Lord, and a hearing heart to be obedient unto you, Lord Jesus Christ, to come unified as the body of Christ, to do your will in all things. For you deserve all the praise, the glory, and honor for everything that you've done for us. And I pray, Lord God, that we will continue to grow in our relationship with you, to bear fruit for you, and to make disciples for you. 
In Jesus Christ, your most holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I also want to pray tonight for our brother Michael Adams, Lord, as a faithful soldier that gives all his time to you, Lord. You know what he's suffering. You know what he's going through. But we know, Lord, that you are the good physician. And we know, Lord, that you can make all things possible. And I pray, Lord, whatever it is, whatever it is that has him down, Lord, lift it from our brother. For, Lord, this is what you came to do. And I pray, Lord, that we just stay faithful with what this temple is and what you have called it to be, Lord. So, Lord, we just also pray tonight that no man's heart be heard and no flesh be glorified. But we pray by the name of Jesus, the name above all names, that we may live in accordance to your word. For, Lord, even the smallest of instructions, the smallest of commandments are spirit and life. And, Lord, it is meant for us that we may fulfill your will by hearing your voice. So I pray for the listeners tonight, Lord, that you give them hearing hearts, that you give them minds and bodies, Lord, that are fit to house the spirit, that you might live in us and work through us. For, Lord, that is what this whole thing is about. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention and confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, Lord, and that includes spirits of sickness. I pray, Lord, that you bind them, that you cast them out, that you do away with them, Lord, for by by your stripes we are healed. So, Lord, I just pray and I ask that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Jesus' name. All right, brother. Well, take it away. (laughs) Hey, can you um, hear me clearly or do I sound muffled at all or anything? You're sounding a little bit broken up, just a hair. Now, is it better or is Speak it again? worse? I, I couldn't. It's about the same. I said, can you can you hear me right now? Yeah, but it's not about that the well same. then. Okay, so can I'm sounding me? broken up still. I can hear you fine, but I'm saying, can you hear me? Am I broken up? Broken up or not? Just a little bit. I tell you what, uh, sorry to interrupt. Hey, guys, my, uh, sounds good on my end, so just to let you know. Okay. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so we'll just go forward with that. You know, so tonight's message right, got to be right, called. You good. Tonight's message shall be called, Man Shall Not Live by Bread Alone. Now, this is very important because it just sounds so simple and so, you know, yeah, okay, we know that we need God, but hopefully tonight we're going to break down what this whole thing is about concerning men and what they truly need and what Jesus meant by that um, by that verse alone, because I think it's a, one of the single most important things as far as the life of a Christian is concerned. So, you know, I want to get right in, and I want to get started with Luke 4. Luke chapter 4, and let's look at verse 1. So this is Luke 4 and 1, and it says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did not eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterwards, he hungered. 
And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. So obviously the devil knew that Jesus had it in him to command stones to be bread because he wouldn't have asked him to do such a thing if it couldn't be done. You know, just a little note that we got to understand that everything is in the power of God and all things are possible to them that believe. But let's look at verse 4, and it says, And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Okay, so a lot of people would look at this and wonder what is Jesus means, what did he mean? But you got to think about this. Jesus was fasting for 40 days. So Jesus was hungry. Jesus was desiring to eat after 40 days of fasting. Now, this is 40 days and 40 nights. So he was totally led by the Spirit. So you would have to ask yourself, if someone were to come to you and ask you if you wanted bread, or to make uh, stones into bread, you know, would you not obey him considering your need for food? But Jesus in this 40 days says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, the Lord has given me revelation and understanding. If you were to compare 40 days with no food in comparison to slipping up and not obeying God's word once, what, what you know, this, this is pretty much telling us here is, is that, you know, we can go days without food, even though food you know is a, is a necessity for life and for us to grow. But Jesus is saying that man shall not live by bread alone after 40 days of fasting. But he says, but by every word of God. So what did Jesus do? He put emphasis on the word of God, on the commandments and the instructions of God, that they are greater than anyone who has not eaten for 40 days. That's something to think about because as we taught the other night, be ye perfect for your Father in heaven is perfect, you know, and we talk about how just hearing God's voice or those who walked with the Lord were those who were made perfect, then we've got to actually think about how important it is that we hear God's word and his instruction. And as we continue tonight and we go through this, it's going to be something that we're going to recognize that man cannot live without. You can have one for a certain period of time, and it'll carry you as far as your carnal mind or desires may take you, but it will not sustain you, only God's word will. So tonight we're going to give quite a few examples of this because people don't understand how important it is that we grasp that man shall not live by bread alone, even though man tries and he attempts to. But it makes clear that the man that lives by God, everything in his life will be fruitful. And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about all these other things. But we got to understand that when we have God, we cannot be led wrong. God's word is so important that it is so foreign to man to really hear him today. So, you know, you get a lot of Christians out there that are saying things like, the Lord told me, the Lord told me. But they, you know, a lot of these people have never heard from the Lord. But what God wants us to do is to have hearing hearts that we may hear his voice and instruction because it is essential for us to live, okay, not in just this life, but in the one to come. All right, so I want to get into this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3, and let's look at verse 1. And the Lord says something very interesting here 
after the uh, Adam and Eve had contended with the devil. So I know we've gone over this many times, but I think it would be good to go through it right now because I'm recognizing, and a lot of Christians do know they follow the Lord, that unless we can hear God's word and instruction, we may as well be dumb, deaf, blind, maimed, and lame because that's what the Bible says people are when they know not God. All right, so this is Genesis 3. Let's look at verse 1. It says, now remember, the Lord gave them only one commandment. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. This is what God commanded. Now, this is Genesis 3 and 1. And this is the same serpent that just tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. He first tried it with Adam and Eve. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So I want to make a correction here. He also told them that if they were to eat of the tree of life, that they would be sustained. He said, but the tree that is in the middle of the garden, which is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, notice it was a tree of good and evil, not just evil. But the Lord made clear that he didn't want them touching it or eating it, okay? So let's keep that in mind. So the devil says, um, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And then in verse 6 it says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, okay, so she recognized, man, I can eat this, and it looks good enough to eat, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. Adam was there, and he did eat. So let's go back. Let's think about, I mean, we're not going to go there, but let's think about what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. He said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, God gave Adam and Eve a word, okay, from him, basic instruction that even a child would understand. But what did the enemy try to do? He tried to entice them to go and to eat. He turned them unto their own pleasures as he tried to turn the Lord to, and the Lord denied him. The Lord, you know, he offered him food. He offered the Lord um, a place in his kingdom, all the kingdoms of the world. He even said, prove yourself that you are the son of God by throwing yourself down and being caught by the angels because if you truly are, that you will be. Now, Jesus was capable of all those things. Jesus could have bumped Satan aside and ran every kingdom. Jesus could have commanded the stones that they be made bread. He could have dove off the um, temple just to prove that he was the son of God. But as we know, God gave Jesus instruction, and Jesus said, I will serve the Lord thy God or obey the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So you see, Jesus knew that the word of God was more important than anything that he could have in his own pleasure. Let's just keep this in mind. 
So it says she gave also to her husband. Look at verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They weren't just naked without clothing. At this place, they really had damaged their relationship with the Lord. Okay, look at verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. So now Adam, of course, we went over this before, he passes the buck to his wife. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, It was the serpent, or the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So as you notice, Eve doesn't take the blame. She passes it on to the serpent. And then the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. So what we recognize here is the devil is a tempter. He's always going to try and tempt you and I. That's just the way it is. You know, he accuses us before God day and night because that is his assignment that he has chosen to do. Not only is he a condemned and destroyed being, but he wants to condemn and destroy God's image, which is man. But as we know, when we continue reading, that the devil, with all his faults, is not fully responsible for this one because God gave them commandment regardless of what the serpent said. But, you know, they listened to the serpent. He got them into themselves. He enticed them, and this is what they went after. So now that Satan is cursed, God didn't stop there. He has to turn to Adam and Eve now because they have damaged their relationship with God. They weren't hearkening unto his voice. And he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So this was speaking of the Messiah, that Jesus Christ would eventually come and be bitten in the ankle by the serpent or the heel, but Jesus would crush the head of the serpent to give dominion back to what God's creation was supposed to be. Look at verse 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Shalt thou bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So now God has to put things in play where he has laws, and he's making it clear now, you are, your, your desire will be to your husband. Not that it wasn't before, but now he knows that they have partaken of another nature, that now God's word has to come right back in and reinforce it with even more word than they had before. Okay, so he says, and, and look at verse 17. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. So notice he made it clear that because you have listened to your wife and you have not obeyed the word that I gave you, he says, and, um, and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. 
Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. So he made it very clear that everything was going to be difficult from this point because they did not hearken unto the words of the Lord. He said, Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So let's understand this this uh, punishment or this judgment that God had placed on him. He made it very clear in um, chapters 1 and 2 that God made the trees to bring forth seed, you know, that would, I mean, seed to bring forth trees that would bear fruit. And, and the, the garden itself was self-sustaining, okay? God took care of the garden. The garden was available. All Adam and Eve had to do was eat. And, and not eat from what he told them not to, and that they were just supposed to multiply, replenish the earth, and be fruitful. But as you can see, the devil put a dent in their plans because they did not hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And then he made clear, he says, in the, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. So we got to understand that at once it was sustained where by God, so all you had to do was eat. But now Adam has got to work for every piece of bread that he gets. So what Adam didn't understand and what Jesus did understand was that God will not, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What Adam sought was his own pleasure. What Adam sought was his own sustenance, his own counsel. He sought his own way. And when he did that, he lost okay, the provision that God wanted to give them. He lost that uh, having the ability to just bask in God and have God take care of you. And you know what, as Christians today, we're going to find out that we're struggling with the same thing because, you know, we're still off the sweat of our brow eating bread. But you see, that wasn't God's original plan. God just wanted a, a man that was obedient, that would serve him, that would be faithful, and God would take care of every need. All Adam was supposed to do, and all he was, was the son of God, that he was supposed to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Now, as Christians, let's think about this in 2018. Imagine if we could just get up every morning, and we did not have to worry about what we would eat. We did not have to worry about clothing. We, we wouldn't even have to worry about uh, how much we were going to make or what we were going to do for the day. All we would have to do is be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, notice he used the word replenish. I'm not one that believes in a pre-Adamic race, okay? I believe that what the Bible says, that word replenish, simply meant to plenish. I do believe, however, in the devil's rebellion because there was now some sort of corruption in the earth, you know, because of his fall, because you know he fell down that maybe there were things that God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, to replenish, to restore even that speck of darkness that was already there. You know, and the gospel, God is only, he's even concerned about that for us. He wants us, one, to be fruitful. Jesus spoke of this many times. And that meant to be, you know, full of God's spirit, bringing forth fruit that would manifest gifts, that would go and reach the masses, that people would get saved. 
So when he says replenish, that's a beautiful word for tonight because all Christ came to do was to replenish what the devil had taken away. All the Lord in us wants to do is that the world may be replenished again with the word of God, that they may seek a savior and have everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven. Sarah, if you want to add anything, you can. If not, I'm going to jump right in with both feet. Yeah, I would like to add something real quick on on this tonight because everything that you're saying is so very vital and important because, you know, as as we've been teaching, or as the Holy Spirit, let me rephrase, has been teaching over the last however long we've been in this ministry and Brother Michael Adams' ministry as well, is that, you know, we really have to believe everything that the gospel says. And you can't uh you you can't have the New Testament without the Old Testament. You can't have the Old Testament without the New Testament. And, you know, with everyone these days trying to fit their ideas into the gospel, not only that, there's a lot there's way too emotionalism. And that emotionalism goes all the way back to the beginning. We cannot afford to act on our I mean, yes, we have feelings as people, but we can't afford to be governed by our feelings. We have to be governed by Jesus Christ. And that is why the Bible also says if I, if I love mother and father and brother and sister and land, if you love all of this more than me, you are not worthy of me. And why is that? It's because we're putting all these other things in, in front of the Lord. And people, if you don't hate father and mother, it, it, people would think, man, you're cold. You're a cold-hearted person. Why? And it's like because nothing is more important than Jesus Christ in this life. And there's too much emotionalism trying to govern. And and instead of being, we want to bring Jesus Christ down to our level instead of us going up to his level. And it doesn't work that way. We can't bring him down to our level. We can't bring him down to our sinful uh, emotional state. We got to get out of that to follow after Jesus Christ because what you're saying tonight is so true is that if, if Jesus Christ had one thought to obey the devil, and it's been preached on before, the devil would have been his God. And some people will say, man, how is that possible? You know, we can't see Jesus Christ doing that. Jesus Christ is tempted of everything that we are tempted of. He just didn't give in to it. But the thing is, is that he subdued the flesh. That is the point. That is the point we've all got to get to is we have to subdue the flesh in order to get higher. So that's all I wanted to bring forth on that. Absolutely. And wherever you were facing before, you know, when we usually do this, you know, that would probably, because sometimes you come in real clear and other times you don't. But, you know, this is a great point because you said something that got to me. He says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. What did Jesus do? Subdue the flesh. What is the What is man supposed to be? Made from the dust, from the ground. So he, as God wanted the earth physically subdued and ruled by his spirit, by the Son of God, God wants the sons of God to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue the flesh. So this is awesome how when you think about it, that the gospel doesn't change. The gospel stays the same. But what's really awesome about this is, that if Jesus would have lived one moment of his life to serve the devil or to get into his own desires, man, how much would have been lost? And look how many people are lost today 
but nobody cares, including churches. You know, you got a lot of churches out there that will tell people they love the Lord, but how many are out there reaching the masses of people that actually need it? How many of them are giving over to fasting and prayer and denying their own lives that they can reach the masses? And, you know, everyone that I've ever heard of that have given their lives to Christ, that have forsaken the world as the Lord commanded and has gone after Jesus fully and following him, God has always blessed them. Those people have always been blessed. Their families are always well taken care of, okay? And it's because it's just how the Lord told Abraham. When Abraham was going to sacrifice his son uh, Isaac, um, the Lord said, because you were about to do this for me, I will do this for you. I will send my own son. So our God is a reciprocal God. Yes, we do have grace and mercy, but we need to really think about it. If we ever just gave it all to Christ, if we ever just cracked open the Bible, looked at the words, and believed them wholeheartedly and live our lives in accordance with it and not make excuses for the flesh or the world or the devil, man, what would we be able to do in Christ? That's going to be a mystery until the coming of Jesus Christ because we know that most people do not believe the gospel. They don't believe the word of God. And because of that, you got people working three and four jobs just trying to maintain. But you see, the devil doesn't lighten your load because he's not supposed to. All this world is for is to use you as a battery. I'm not against work, but I want people to have an understanding of this, that if all things in Christ consist, and that includes every part of your life. He says that you, can, you can't live by bread alone, but one thing you can live by alone is every word of God because it's going to bring you in that place of fruitfulness and multiplication and, and, and unsubduing your flesh that you can truly walk as, the, as the, um, the image of Jesus Christ. So that's important that we really get a grasp on this and what's being said tonight, how man shall not live by bread alone. You can't do it, even for the rich man, even for the man in Hollywood, even for the man that thinks he's got so much. Look at how these people lose their lives, and they have no joy. They have no real peace. They have no long-suffering, no goodness, no gentleness, no love. These people are lacking because only Christ can give you that void or fill that void that is within man, which is the spirit. Your spirit belongs to God, and that's important that we understand this. So let's go on. I want to give an example of Adam living by the sweat of his brow. Let's go to Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. Man, you got brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that's why the Lord tells us, in the parable of the sower, he says that, you know, there are some that when they hear the word immediately, the devil can just take it away because, and notice he's talking about hearing the word, just like the word of God that Jesus Christ is talking about and what Adam and Eve have forsaken. But those people, the, the first group, remember, they uh, heard the word, but, you know, Satan took it away because they didn't really believe it. Then came the second group where these people received the word of God with joy. Man, this sounds like the perfect thing for me. But then when, you know, temptation, persecution, or tribulation comes in their lives, they become offended, okay? And what eventually happens with them is they realize, hey, I've counted the cost, and I prefer my regular life. 
And this is why a lot of people won't move forward because they're so carnally minded that they can't believe that the workman is worthy of his hire. He is worthy of his meat. God will supply those who come after him. And then you got the third group, remember, where they hear the word and they get it. But the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and pleasures of the world become the things that cause those people to be unfruitful. But what did he say the last group did? That they would hear the word and believe it and understand it, and they would bring in some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. I mean, and 100. So what we got to understand is it's those that hear the word, it's those that understand the word and live their lives in accordance to it. Those would be the only people that are going back into heaven. Those will be the only people that believe Jesus. Jesus said, if you believe me, if you believe and doubt not, these things shall be done unto us. We've got to really ask ourselves, do we believe the words of Jesus Christ? Do we believe the words of the Bible? Because that's the only thing standing between you and eternal glory. Because believing is not just hearing it and saying, that sounds good, but I'm going to live my life as evidence to prove it. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, give me a hug. He didn't say, if you love me, pray more. You know, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, now we do know that a part of loving the Lord would be prayer and it would be fasting and and, uh, denying our flesh and walking with him and telling others about him. But it first begins in having the instruction of the Lord to live. The only reason why you and I today are going through pain and suffering and hurt is because this very first uh, thing that the devil tempted Jesus with, that Jesus denied, you know, um, he he, uh, came to renew us. But you see, when Adam and Eve denied that, look at how our whole life went into chaos. Look at how even people today who won't receive Christ that the generations of their family become more and more corrupt. So if we live in accordance with God's word, he will fulfill every promise, but we cannot deny the importance, okay, of living according to the word of God. Because a lot of us think we're being sustained by work. Oh, no, you're being sustained by Christ. Yes, Sarah. Sorry, uh, before you move on, I want to make a quick point on that because this kind of, goes along with what that one gentleman we talked to about last with last night is, you know, um, and the same thing happens in our life too. Is, you know, with this free will that the Lord gives us, we, he gives us the choice, you know, uh, either you want to follow after me and do my will or do you want to live a, live a life of misery even though you think it's fun, you know. And unfortunately, most people today, not every person, but most people today choose the road of, well, I want to have fun because going your way is like going to seem like hard bondage because I can't do anything because it goes against Satan's kingdom. Now, we've talked about this multiple times where Satan's kingdom, it comes, it's all fun. You don't have to worry about anything. You can, do, you can party. You can have a great life and all that, you know. He'll give you, you know, for a guy, multiple women, or for a woman, multiple men, and, you know, you can drink, and you can smoke, and you can curse, and you can live an average life. You can even have a family once you, what's that phrase, plant your wild oats. Now, so many people get on that. Well, I don't want to get married right now, because if I do, then I'll be tied down, and I won't have a life. So Satan is really twisted 
every everything that God has for people, we're finding it out so much later in life instead of earlier in life. Because as an average, as a, as a whole, Satan's been allowed to do that in the world at large. He's been allowed to say from a young child, you know, don't discipline your children uh, because you'll hurt them. Uh, you know, give them everything that they want so they have a better life. And that's why these kids today, when they get out in society, they're depressed or they commit suicide because they don't know how to handle life because they were not given the tools necessary early on on how to face things. So now when they get out there, it's like by the time they're, when they're seniors in high school, they don't even know who they are. So when they get out there, they're, it's a culture shock to them. And Satan is just killing them off one by one by one, earlier on, earlier on, earlier on. And that's why we've got to pray more for these kids that are coming up today, that they will give their lives to Jesus Christ and not go after that, you know, not get the apple out of the bag as we choose. You know, we want to tell people, hey, these are the mistakes. I'm, I don't want you going down the same road I did. And I thought it was fun and it almost killed me, you know. So I wanted to just bring up that quick point. Absolutely, and that's why the Bible tells us in Second Timothy chapter 3 that in the last days perilous times will come because men shall be lovers of their own selves. All Satan taught Adam and Eve was self-love, which is something the Lord never teaches us to do. The Lord tells you to love the Lord thy God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So the Lord wants us to live selfless lives that other people can be reached. That's a great point. So this is Exodus chapter 5, and we're going to look at what the sweat of your brow looks like, okay? After the curse, after the fall, after the children of Israel were in their bonds, after Moses had rebelled and been set free, and now Moses has come back to approach Pharaoh about letting his people go. Now, this is important because Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. So Jesus is making clear that not only he is your master if you follow him, but the world is your master if you follow it. He said you're going to love one and you're going to hate the other. You're going to despise one or love one and despise the other that you can't serve God and mammon. So he puts a real clear distinction here that there will be two masters as there were back then as there are today. It's either Jesus or the devil. And we already know who the God of this world is, and it's not Jesus. Okay, so let's look at uh, Exodus 5. This is verse 1. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. So here is the spirit of Antichrist where he's pretty much making it clear Hey, I'm not obeying God's voice. Who is he that I should obey him? And you know what? We can have that same spirit if God commands us to do a thing in his word and we do the opposite. We are just like Pharaoh to say, who is this God that we should obey him? You see, so that's why, and Pharaoh was absolutely right right here because he says, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. So, you know, Pharaoh here is bringing forth some truth because I'm going to let us all know something tonight, which is what Jesus had already said before. If you don't know God, you can't please God. 
if you don't love God, you won't keep God's commandments. So Pharaoh is only showing up in the very nature that he has. Hey, who is this God that I should let Israel go? I should obey his voice. Hey, I know not this God, neither will I let Israel go. So he's a rebel because he knows not who God is. But as Christians, if we call ourselves children of God, then we need to hearken unto the Lord and his voice. Look at verse 3. He said, and they said, the God of the Hebrews have met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. So even they knew that if they did not sacrifice to their Lord nor serve their God, they knew that there could be penalties or punishment for not obeying God's word. Look at verse 4. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you into your burdens? So you see Pharaoh here is now saying, who is Moses and Aaron that they should let the people from their works? And this is how the world feels about you. Try and get some time off from work so you can attend a Christian event. Try and give God as much time as you give your job and see if your job will be okay with that. Okay? So like Jesus said, you're going to love one and become the enemy of the other. So what is Pharaoh trying to do now? Get the people to ignore Moses and Aaron and keep them busy. Look at verse 5. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. So right away, what Pharaoh, I mean, what Aaron and Moses are talking about is having that rest. That's what God's word does. That's what rejuvenation in the spirit does. It restores us. So Pharaoh doesn't like this, and he says, uh, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and the officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick. As heretofore, let them go and gather straw for themselves. So this is where the devil begins to play a little hard with us when we call ourselves serving the Lord or desiring him. That's why you got laws in play that if you preach the gospel at work, okay, that you can lose your job. This is why they try and make a separation of church and state. This is why, you know, they took God and prayer out of schools. He's making it very clear. He told the taskmasters to do this. The taskmasters here would be a type of demons where he's saying that, you know, don't give them any more help. Let them go and draw for themselves. So what is Pharaoh's goal here? To keep them busier so that they won't hear the word of God. Okay, look at verse 8. And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Let, I mean, ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men that they may labor therein and let them not regard vain words. So this is what the word of God is to the world. It's foolishness. It's not that important. You can go into work tomorrow and tell your boss, sir, you need to be saved. You need to be born again. We need to inject Christian principles into this line of work that we may be blessed of the Lord and souls will get saved. You know what that will be to them? idle words. And more, more importantly, it can cost you your job. So this is why he's keeping them busy. 
Then it says in verse 10, And the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will give you, I will not give you straw. Go ye get you straw where ye can find it, yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. You know, at one time you could request certain times off from work for religious purposes or, you know, your belief in Christ. Nowadays the devil would tell you, well, you can take the day off if you want. You probably won't be paid for it. And if you take enough time off, we may have to sit down and talk seriously about your job. But this is how the enemy will throw overtime on you. This is how you find uh, at one point all it took was one salary to be able to take care of a family while one parent stayed home and took care of things concerning the kids. So the devil's master plan with that is is to make things so costly and get people to become so self-loving that they go out after making as much money as they can, but nobody's watching the kids at home. This was not a coincidence. This is one of the plans, I believe, in Alice Bailey's 10-step strategy, okay, to attack Christianity, how they would affect the home. So you see, this is always a plan of the enemy to get you on you and not hearken into, unto the word of God, where the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart with depart from it. Another thing he says is to spare not the rod of correction, right, lest the child be spoiled. Okay, so these are things that the enemy has taken away from the word of God, okay, and in doing so, it's turned people unto themselves where they become self-loving and you see rebellion everywhere. Okay, so let's look at, uh, let's see, verse 12. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. So they had to have the appropriate amount of bricks that they always had when they were being provided with straw. Now that they have to find their own, the devil doesn't want any lacking, okay? So Pharaoh wants them to continue to work. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have ye not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today, as heretofore? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? Uh, there is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten, uh, but the fault is in thine own people. So isn't it funny how if you compare this story to Genesis chapter 3, because the people are now complaining to Pharaoh that, you know, why are you so hard on your servants? And Pharaoh, like any good devil would do, will turn the blame unto the Lord. He would, oh, well, see, well, if God wasn't trying to get y'all to do this, we wouldn't have any problems. So this is what you need to do. Blame God. What happened when Adam and Eve fell into sin? What did they do? Blame each other, okay, and then blame the serpent. But they did not want to take accountability for themselves. More importantly, this can happen when you're trying to liberate people and tell them the truth about God's word and how it's more important than anything we could have. Now, someone who loves the world will hear this message and hate what I'm saying and will speak against it. 
and say there's nothing wrong with living your life as long as you give God a little time. God has called for us to have pleasure in this life. Okay, now that might be somewhat true, but we know overall this Bible tells us to deny ourselves that we might fulfill the will of God, to present our bodies a living sacrifice. But as you can see, a slave man hates a free man. When you're trying to, to, to liberate people with the truth, sometimes it can be a bit rough for people. So what will they begin to do? Become enemies of God by speaking against the word of God. Now, what I'm telling people is the absolute truth because you know that there's going to come a point when the enemy is going to cut all of this from us and all we're going to have is the word of God. And not just, you know, that we can read, but he has to be living in us that we may make those righteous decisions in obeying his spirit. All right? So I want to uh, continue. And it says in verse 16, there is no straw given unto thy servants, and they say to us, make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people. But he said, ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore ye say, let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there, for there shall no straw be given you, yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case. After it was said, ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. So, you know, a lot of us are out there working like dogs and doing what we need to do to survive. But you see, all of this could have been avoided because I want to even look at how Joseph was used of the Lord to take care of Israel and to do what needed to be done. But I don't find any account of the Bible where God told him to stay beyond the famine, okay? It said that the lamb was blessed and they could have what they have. But, you see, even for Joseph, the more I continue to read his story, I'm not saying Joseph was at fault, but I think there came a point after uh, Genesis 47 that Joseph, um, you didn't hear him talk much about the Lord. You know, you heard uh, that Jacob died and he said, you know, deliver my bones when we get into the land and we have all these things. But Joseph was even, you know, selling lands and everything and giving it unto Pharaoh, where Pharaoh gained more power, okay, from Genesis 41 to Genesis 47. And when Pharaoh died, you know, how Israel had all their hopes in the world, all that happened is there came up a Pharaoh that knew not, that knew not Joseph. And what did he do? He enslaved the people. Okay, so it would have... Uh, you know, I have to maybe examine that more, but I don't remember any account where the Lord told them to stay beyond the famine. I knew that he sent them there because there was, but it was about 17 or 13 years after the famine that they were still there because some of um, Joseph's children had grown up, you know, and everything. So that's just a small point, but anytime we hearken unto the world, we can sure enough become servants of the world where you will get almost no mercy. All right, so this is uh, verse 20. And they met Moses and Aaron and stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. So these people are obviously blind because, you see, they're now blaming Moses and Aaron 
um, because Moses and Aaron wants them to be let free, that they can make sacrifice unto the Lord. But these people don't even realize that they're slaves. And you know what? Most worldly people today don't even realize that you're a slave, okay, to the world, and all the world is doing is using you. Now, I'm not going to argue with people tonight about, well, so what are you trying to say, that we can't do anything? That's not the point. It's one thing to be in this world but not be of this world. But when you believe in the American dream, when you believe that you can actually own things here, when you believe that these things are sustaining you and not the word of God, then we've got a problem. Because these people are now blaming, they're not even recognizing we're slaves. How I deal with it, okay, this isn't our home. We're just passing through. We're just fulfilling the word of God until we do get home, which is an eternal life. The children of Israel weren't home here. They were serving in Egypt. Remember, they were loving it, enjoying it. The land was fruitful. After the famine, they raised generation upon generation to, the, to where they went from 70 people to about 2 million. But all they became in the end was 2 million slaves. Okay, so this is where we need to be aware of where we are and where the enemy is. Look at verse 22. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hath thou delivered thy people at all. Okay, so now there comes a conflict because Moses came. Moses is feeling like, Lord, why did you even send me? The people are not listening, and Pharaoh's not letting the people go, and now the people are angry with me. If people understood the importance of the word of God, if they understood the importance of obeying what God says, that they would totally understand that as they fight the gospel, the gospel is their only way to be liberated and to be saved. This is a dying planet. This is a prison planet. I don't care if you own a house, as we talked about before, okay, which is a mortgage, which means what? You know, death tax or, or death agreement, agreement unto death. That's what mortgage means. But even then, whoever is in that house after you die, if you don't pay the taxes, they will take the house back, okay? The same thing with the car. You can buy, pay off your car. But if you don't pay the insurance, you will lose your car. Everything is designed in this world that you can't own it. You don't even realize that you're a slave. The devil has given you a slavery that you would enjoy. But what God commands us to do is be laborers in his vineyard that we may win as many souls as we can out of this, turn them unto the word of God, okay, and, and obey it that they may have eternal life. But outside of that, you're a slave. So let's go to Exodus 6, right next door. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, but with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. So he made it very clear to Moses because Moses needs a little reassurance. Moses is even thinking, Lord, I came and did what you said, but nothing's happening. So, man, are you sure you sent me for the right thing? And the Lord has to tell Moses, I am the Lord. Look at verse 3. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, and by, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. 
and I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore I say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for inheritance. I am the Lord. So as you can see, the Lord didn't forget one promise, whatever he had given them. But you see, the devil has reversed some of his plans since then, because back then Moses was saying, Pharaoh, let my people go. But now you would have to say to people to let Pharaoh go. People have fallen in love with their slavery. They've fallen in love with Pharaoh, and they really think that they're gaining something on this side. But outside of the word of God, you've got a pile of nothing because everything that Jesus, I mean, that God said here in Exodus 6, he kept his word. He parted the Red Sea. Okay, he poured water from a rock. He gave them manna every day. So that proves to you man don't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. As they were continuing to walk towards the land of promises, which is the promised land, where we're headed in our lives towards Christ and towards eternal life, God sustained them. Why? Because they were faithful to what he was doing. And as you know, for those who had given themselves over to idolatry, those who loved Egypt, those who longed for Egypt, if you guys read Numbers 11 in your spare time, these people were remembering how good the sweet onions and savory meat was in Egypt. And they bugged and plagued God and they blasphemed God and they said all these things about God only to have God give them what they want. You don't ever want God to give you what you want aside from his will, because I promise you it'll be a curse. But for those who stayed in line with God, God blessed them. But when he gave them all that, that quail that day in Numbers 11, he gave them what they truly wanted. They did not want God. They just wanted to eat and enjoy themselves. And in doing so, before they can even get that quail between their teeth, that God struck them dead right on the spot. Why? Because that was a final judgment. You want the world, go after the world. You want to sustain yourself here and have all the things and all the pleasures of life, then go and do it. But you cannot have both. And that's what the Lord is making clear to me in my walk, and he's showing us day by day. Because if God didn't intend for us to eventually be cut from this, there wouldn't be a such thing as an antichrist and the mark of the beast which no man will buy or sell except he receive a mark. So we know that one day God is not relying on this to sustain us. We are doing what we need to do now in preparing for a better day, which will be the coming of Jesus Christ. So, Sarah, if you have anything to add, you can. 
But we know that God fulfilled every promise here. And from here, we're going to go to John chapter 6 to make more light of this story. Yeah, I had something real quick on what you just said right there about, you know, us never wanting God to give us what we want, but what he desires for us. And it's very true. And, you know, when we're younger and we really don't know any better, because I, I, I'm going to admit what I did when I was younger and what, you know, really liked the guy. The dumbest prayers ever, Lord, if he's wearing a blue sweater tomorrow, is that going to be a sign that he's for me? And, you know, it's the, <laughs> you say stuff in pure, <laughs> you know, you say stuff in pure ignorance. And the Lord just, he winks. It even says that he winks at our ignorance for a season because he's like, he knows that you're just, you're stupid. And I hate that word, but it's like, he knows that we don't know any better. But I think there are times when he will some degree give us what we want in hopes that we won't even want it once we see what's truly, what, what truly it is or what truly that person's like. And to go and to cling Jesus, you know, I'm sorry that was wrong. I want to cling to you. But unfortunately, people in today's society, they want what they want, even if it's the wrong choice. Even if it's going to lead them down, down a life of misery for so long, they still go after that. And unfortunately, that's what I did for the better half of 13 years, 14 years, is I went after my own. Well, let me rephrase that because it was longer than that. I went out after my own desires because I did not, and this is what people have got to truly understand. Church can't save you. The pastor can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save us. And when I was living in the church, I still went after my own selfish desires. I wanted nothing to do with the church. I wanted nothing to do with ministry. I wanted nothing to do with missions. My parents wanted me to marry a missionary. I wanted nothing to do with it. My heart wasn't there. You know, and so that's why it's like, you know, if we're not living after Jesus Christ, no matter what church we are affiliated with, if we've not given ourselves over to him, we're going to be trying to do our own desires, our own will. And even after we claim the name of Jesus Christ, if we're not careful, we go after our own selfish desires. It is a constant battle day by day that we live after Jesus Christ and that we do his will. Because if not, the eyes, you look at, and this was another point I wanted to bring about about the family situation, is that even if people are married today and have kids, they're too distracted. There's too many distractions in the world today to keep the parents from properly raising the children under, under Jesus Christ, even parents who claim to be Christians. Because they got too many cell phones, they got too many iPads, they got too many TVs, they got too many of this, that, and the other. Instead of disciplining the children today, what do they do? They give them something to occupy their time. Oh, here, take this and watch this movie. So they don't have to deal with it. Wrong mistake. Big, big mistake. Never do that. Teach the kid. Like you just, like the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's older, he will not depart from him. That is very true. Because kids are not giving that proper edification to say, that's wrong. This is why it's wrong. You can't do this. The Bible says it's wrong. But that's another thing. Parents are not teaching children in accordance to what the scripture says. 
either. They're not doing that either. So kids are just, they're, they're, they're crazy by the time they get older. And so, you know, on the same token, it's just like, we can't be living selfish lives. You're right. You're absolutely right. Our desires have to be after Jesus Christ. And he even says in his word, if our desires are in accordance to his will, he will give us the desires of our heart if it's in accordance to our his will. Why? Because if we pray for our own little selfish needs, we don't know what we pray for. And the Bible even says that, too. We don't know what we pray for. So we've got to pray for what the Lord wants because our own selfish desires will get us hurt, get us killed, a whole bunch of other stuff. And that's what we have to yeah, absolutely realize is that Jesus Christ, go ahead. No, I was going to say you're absolutely right. I mean, it doesn't take what we need is a fresh perspective. And I think that the only way mm-hmm. that we really do see what those things are is to get into God and obey his word. Because then God shows you everything that is against him. And then you get a real story of what is and what isn't what we should and what we shouldn't. But before that point, you really just don't have an understanding. You think that you're living your life, and that's going to be the biggest surprise for people because Revelation 13 says that unless you receive a mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name, you know, all you have to do is live your life as an average person, and you will go to hell. You can live an Mm -hmm. honest and what you consider a manly good or womanly good life, and if you know not Christ, you will go to hell. Why? Because you're truly not righteous. You're trying to be a good person by your standards, just how Adam and Eve thought they were by their standards. So you see, all it takes is for you to live an average life, and that doesn't qualify for the kingdom of heaven because the Lord calls us to come up higher. If all you do is go to church and you know not Christ, you will go to hell. So this ain't just about people that, you know, um, what they do or what kind of religious setting they're in. This is about who you know. And unless we hearken unto the Mm -hmm. word of the Lord, which Jesus told us that we cannot live without, then, I mean, we are doomed unless we really believe what he said. So I hear what you're saying totally, and I mean, you're absolutely right. This is John 6. Now remember, in this chapter early on, this is where Jesus fed a mass of 5,000. Remember, they walked with him into the desert, and then, uh, you know, the people or the disciples were wondering, you know, well, why don't we send them away because it's time to eat. But Jesus said, sit the people down, and with his words, for we know that he is God, and as the Son of God, he actually said, you know, Father, you know, let your will be done. He took the bread, blessed it before the Father, and broke it, and he fed a mass of 5,000 with only five loaves and two fishes. So Jesus proves already there that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Because Jesus was walking with the Father, only Jesus could have that kind of faith. If we walk with Jesus, then we can have that kind of faith. All right? So now we're going to pick it up. I believe we're going to begin in verse, uh, let's see, verse 24. Okay? So this is John 6, and look at verse 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus uh, was not there, neither his disciples, 
they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Well, what are you doing here, Rabbi, Master? Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. So he made clear that their motives were not seeking him. Their motive was that they can fill their bellies and enjoy their pleasures. These people thought that they were going to use Jesus to get as much as they could, not understanding that what he did for them should have turned them to him and not what they can get out of him. And this is where you get people today, money cometh unto me now, Leroy Thompson, and all this other stuff they're preaching, and Kenneth Copeland and all these guys, that word of faith garbage. Okay, what they're trying to do is pimp Jesus. They think that he's a magic genie that you get to rub on, okay, and somehow Jesus is a slot machine that he's supposed to just give you back extra than what you put in. But, see, this is not the God we serve. we got to ask ourselves, do you want Jesus, or do you want what you think you can get from Jesus? That's important because, you see, the one who wants Jesus has the gold, has the treasure, has everything that is necessary for life, not just in this one, but in the world to come. But for those who want what they can get out of Jesus, what good is that momentary, temporary garbage if you can't take it with you when you die? So that's important for us to understand that we've got to search after Jesus. And all those people are preaching with that word of faith garbage, that's Eastern mysticism. That even goes back to that book that that woman made called The Secret. All that is is old Eastern mysticism, going back to Hinduism and and all sorts of witchcraft, back to Babylon. You know, so we got to seek Jesus and not what we can get from Jesus. So Jesus made it clear you weren't here for the miracles, okay? You were here because I fed you last time. You're not here to see me. Look at verse 27. Look at this warning. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which is the Son of Man, or which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Okay, so this is all about who we know, not what we can get from him. He says, man, don't labor for the meat which perishes. Are we doing that today? Are we laboring for the meat that perishes? This is something we all got to ask ourselves. Look at verse 28. Then they said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom, ye have, whom he hath sent. So this is important because Jesus is saying, if you believe on him. Now, some people can say, well, Lord, I do believe in it. But I would have to ask them, how do you know that you believe? Is there evidence in your life that you believe Christ? Do you really believe that you're seeking after him and not your own pleasure? Because you see, what in the Hebrew and the Greek, the word belief or to believe, okay, that's G4100, and it's called pisteo. And it means to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit place confidence in, of the thing believed, to credit, have confidence, 
in a moral or religious reference used in the New Testament of the conviction and trust to which a man is impelled by a certain inner and higher prerogative and law of soul. Now, what is your soul? Your mind, will, and your emotions. So as you can see, it's not just about saying it with your words. It's to be persuaded. It's to trust in. It's to have confidence in. It's to credit, okay, because you intend to do. It says to trust in Jesus or God as able to aid either in obtaining or in doing something, saving faith, to entrust a thing uh, to one, his fidelity to be entrusted with a thing. So we got to go right back to what Jesus said. Do you believe? That is the work of God. That is the will of God, that you believe on whom God hath sent, which is Son, and the man and Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Okay? So then it says in verse 30, They said, Therefore unto him, What son shewest thou, then that we may see and believe thee, what doest thou work? Now, see, this is important, too, because this is from the mass of 5,000 that he fed. But these people are still looking for a sign. What did he say? A wicked and perverse generation, or evil and perverse generation, seeketh after a sign. But he said, no sign shall be given except the Son of Man, as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall it be with the Son of Man. Okay, so Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is all we need to know that Jesus is alive and that he is real. The only question it comes down to is, do you believe it or do you not? These guys are looking for more of a sign, and he just performed a great miracle and fed them in the desert when there was nothing. Okay, so this goes right back to man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So then it says in verse 31, our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. So as you can see, without the life of Christ, without the breath in your lungs, without the, you know, each day not being promised to us and praising him for another day, that aside from Jesus Christ as the true vine, you can do nothing. Jesus sustains you in every way possible, okay? All God has to do is go to sleep and forget about you and I, and you have breathed your last breath. In Christ, all things consist. So he's making it clear. Moses didn't give you that bread. I did. My father dropped that bread, that manna that fell because you people had nothing to eat. This all came from Jesus. Okay, verse 34. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. So these men are still attempting to fill their stomachs. They're still thinking that man can live by bread alone, even though they've got the Son of God standing right there in front of them. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, that's important. I just picked that up. He said, him that cometh to me shall never hunger. That's one part. Okay, that meant that Jesus will supply every desire of the flesh, okay, that is of his will. And then it says, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. That is the spirit of God 
that every man lives by to empower us to walk with Christ. Look at 36. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Then he says, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which he hath, which, which he hath sent me, that is that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise, uh, raise it up again at that last day. So Jesus is going after souls for those who believe in him. The Father's will is that, that, they, that Jesus loses none of them and that they will all be resurrected on that last day upon his return. This is verse 40, and this is the will of him that sent me. Oh, I just read that. Look at verse 41. Then it says, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? So as you can see, these people didn't really believe. The more he puts emphasis on himself, the more they turn away from it. That's why people love to ignore, you know, uh, verses where Jesus says that you have to deny yourself and take up your cross every day and follow him. You see, we ignore those things. Why? Because that reveals to us that Jesus is who he says he is. All we have to do is believe. Because if you live a life outside of your will, denied and following Christ, then you believe that Jesus is all he said he is because who is going to sustain you? Nobody but him, okay? So look at verse uh, 43. I think that's, uh, no, this is verse 42. Where am I? Uh, I believe I'm in verse 43. Uh, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at that last day. It is written in the prophets, and it shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth, there's that word again, on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. So as you can see, Jesus is not talking about physical death. Jesus is talking about eternal life. Now remember, you don't die unless you go to hell, which is the second death. Okay? Jesus said, fear he who has a heaven and hell to place you after he has killed the body. Not to, not to fear them that destroy the body and can do nothing with the soul. So we understand that this is only a small part of our issue is living this life. But Jesus can sustain you in this life and then move you on to eternal life if you believe. Okay? So he says, um, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. 
If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So Jesus is coming to the sinking ship. He's seeing where we are. He's seeing how the very first man didn't obey the word of God. And he's here to give the word back to us. Jesus said, I am the living word. I am the living bread. Jesus is coming to sustain man that man may have inherit eternal life. He's not sustaining you just now for the here and now. Every purpose of everything that we do is that we might inherit eternal life. This is verse 52. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. So notice he keeps referring to this last day. He keeps saying that those who partake in him, those who are not living on bread alone, but by every word of God. Now this is how this plays out. When he says, if you eat of my flesh, that's talking about partaking in God's word, eating. Remember what it says in Matthew 6, give us this day our daily bread? Well, this is talking about being a partaker of God. Yes, he sustains us with what we need in this physical life, but we must understand, too, that that word of God is our daily bread. I'm not just talking about the written word. I'm talking about the rhema, the spoken word, which comes from heaven, that we hear God's voice, that we are instructed by him, that we yield our vessels to our conscience, that God... um, you know, uh, make sensitive to him that we can obey him. So you see, that's daily bread, is to have God's daily wisdom that it can apply to our lives. Those people just wanted to be sustained with fish. You know, they, I mean, they just wanted food. But Jesus wasn't just giving them fish. He was teaching them how to fish, how to cling to him, so that he could feed them daily that they would be able to feed themselves because they would know that everything comes from Christ. All right? So that's important. But you see, so that's for the flesh. If you drink of his blood, remember, you're a believer. You're believing of his sacrifice. You're believing of what he did. You believe that he took all your sins to the cross, and you're going to live your life according to the Spirit and doing what he says. Verse 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. So as you partake in God's word, he begins to transform the mind. If you drink of his blood that is partaking of his spirit and believing in his sacrifice, and living our lives in accordance with his word, because remember, those who obey are those who have the spirit, okay? And in doing so, he says that it will be drink indeed, you know, and his flesh is meat indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. So you see, you get some of that word, you know, you get that word to live in you. You house that spirit, God breathes on you, and you live your life empowered by Christ. All right, verse 57, as the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he hath, I mean, so he that eateth me, 
even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. So he's putting emphasis on that. Those guys got their wish. They got the world. What does the Bible say? What does Jesus say in Matthew 16? He says, um, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? So these guys got that manna. They couldn't leave it alone. They wanted quail. They wanted this and that. But they did not want God nor his promises. And what happened? They were left in the wilderness with their manna. So it says, they are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. 59, these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? You know why? Because they wanted the world. They wanted to pimp Jesus. They didn't want to be with Jesus. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. So you see, the spirit is what quickens. The flesh can give you nothing more than what you can have in this life. So he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So now we're getting some understanding on that flesh and that meat, I mean that flesh and that blood. He says that the words that he speaks, they are spirit and they are life. So if we obey the word of Jesus, we will walk in the spirit that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we hearken unto the words of Jesus, we will have life, not just here, but in the life to come and not see death. So you see how important the word of God is? It keeps you in the spirit. It keeps you on the straight and narrow. It gives you a healthy life and a clean life to live your life in accordance with glorifying God. Verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. But Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That occurs in John 6, 66. Now, I don't think that's a coincidence. I believe that the Lord was trying to tell us something, that if we desire anything aside from Christ, we will take the mark of the beast. If you don't hearken unto the words of the Lord and you think that you're going to be sustained by bread alone, you better think again, because what the devil intends to do is to destroy anyone that is not living their lives for Christ. Okay, remember, Jesus said the way and the gate is narrow and few there be that find the way. So we need to hearken unto his words that we may make it. So these people had denied Jesus, and they didn't want to come back. This is people that he fed in the desert. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. So as you can see, Peter had a fresh understanding that I can't live by bread alone. Where should I go? Where will I work? What can I do with my life that is going to sustain me when you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, and you have the words of eternal life? 
He said, we are sure that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And we've all got to come to that place in our life to read God's word, to hear his voice. Now let's go to John chapter 13. Um, You know what? I don't think we have time to go there, but in your spare time, read John chapter 13 because there's something important that plays out here. Remember when they were all sitting at the table for the Last Supper and they were all asking the Lord, who is it that shall betray you, Lord? And the Lord said to them, he said, he who I dip this sop and give it to, that this will be the betrayer. And he dipped the sop and he gave the, the bread and the sop and gave it to Judas. And what did Judas, as soon as Judas took the sop, Satan entered into him. Because remember, Judas had already made an agreement, okay, to go after Jesus Christ. Judas never believed. Judas didn't believe Jesus' words were spirit and they were life. He was too busy stealing from the money bag. He was too busy trying to live a double life. So you see, when Jesus handed him the sop and said, what you will do, do quickly, Jesus had already sealed his fate by letting him know, I know what you're after. And if all you want is this little bread dipped in sop, then you have at it. You go for it. Just like Esau, who sold his birthright for one morsel of meat. What he gave Judas, okay, the Lord showed me this last night, was Judas's portion with the hypocrites and the unbelievers. After that, Judas hung himself. He said, one of you was a devil. And what did that devil want? 30 pieces of silver that he couldn't even take into the next life. 30 pieces of silver. He didn't understand where he was, even though he walked with Christ, just like the rest of them. So you see, if you don't hearken unto God's words and you want to live by bread alone, then all Jesus needs to do is just dip that little sop and hand it to you. Here, you little cheese-eating rat. This is what you can have for you. But what God has and what he means for his believers is to be in glory, is to be like him, like the original creation, forever and ever with Christ. So when you want to sell your birthright, that's all you got. All you got is a little bread dipped in sop. Now, you mean to say you'll have that over God. We've got a lot to learn concerning this Jesus, that he's everything that we need. So let's go to Hebrews 12. And, Sarah, if you want to add anything, you can. If not, this is the last uh, bit of chapter or bit of scripture for tonight. All right. Hebrews 12, and let's begin at verse 1. Now look at Paul's warning. Look at what he says here. He says, Wherefore, seeing also, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now remember, Hebrews 11 was about the hall of faith. So it ran through everybody that believed Christ and went on into glory. So he says, Wherefore, seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So he's saying lay aside every weight of sin that easily besets us. Look at what easily besets means, skillfully surrounded. So see, when things are skillfully surrounding you, they can be plots and plans and schemes of the enemy, just to get you off your course, 
So he says, man, lay aside those ways. Jesus said, man, pluck out everything that's going to keep you from following me, okay, unto life. So he says, lay aside every weight. So what is a weight? Something that's holding you back. And the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. So as you can see, Jesus lived a selfless life, and this is what we ought to do and understand what this is about. Why? Because Jesus was looking at the greater weight of glory, seeing all of us in heaven with him. So he endured the cross even though he despised the shame, but the love for the Father was greater than his own will. Look at verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. So understand that Jesus' way is not going to be the popular way. Okay, we're going to go out to try and save a lot of people who are going to be ungrateful, who are going to hate you for trying to liberate them as Moses did. But what we must understand is we can deal with that. We can bear that. Why? Because this is all about Jesus, you know, giving himself up as we ought to give our lives up for the brethren. And he says to remember this. Remember that these people didn't want to be set free, that they persecuted Christ. Why? So that we won't be wearied and faint in our minds. You know, that's the awesome thing about Jesus' suffering. Even though it was something that, had we seen it, I don't think no eye could have just stayed there and looked at. I believe while the Pharisees and others were there, that they probably, you know, they looked and didn't look. You know, it, it, it would have been something to behold, that Hollywood would never be able to make a movie that really showed you what happened to Jesus. But the point that I'm making here is it was meant for us to know this. It was meant for us to see that someone who was so innocent was betrayed and treated this way. Why? So that we would never forget it. So that everything that we would ever bring to say, well, my life, I got this, I got that, my problems, your problems would not measure up to what the King of Glory endured for you and I. Man, masterstroke of God the Father. Look at verse 4. Ye have not yet uh, resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. So, you know, a lot of people with this message tonight may be feeling a lot of rebuking, you know, and I'm not trying to hurt people. I want people to live an eternal life with Christ, okay? It's not a hard thing to do to follow Jesus. You just got to recognize that he truly is the son of God, and his words are spirit and are life. We've got to recognize that he is more important than anything that we can possibly imagine. Because, you know, the Lord revealed to me um, not too long ago that the reason why a lot of people will go so easily into sin and not give a lot of these things up is because even though they call themselves Christians, they can't believe in heaven and hell. Because if you believed hell, you wouldn't want to spend any time there, okay? You would do whatever it took to stay with Christ. You can't believe in heaven because if it's as glorious 
as Jesus Christ said that it will be, you would want to be there. And that's why he tells us to set our affections above, not on things on the earth. Why? Because those things will be these weights that Paul here is here, you know, he's here talking about. So it says, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, uh, then are they are ye bastards, sorry, and not sons. So you see, if you don't allow God to bring correction into your life, to continue on you and to get you to, you know, um, hear his words, because that's what chastening is. This word will chasten you inside out until we are conformed to his image, because you know that God's not going to change his word. It's just up to us to live our lives in accordance with what he wants. So if we don't deal with that chastisement and we choose to go our own way and we choose to believe that we'll be sustained by bread and not every word of God, then really we are bastards and not sons because he can't be a father to you if you won't be a son to him. God gives us a free will. Okay, so look at verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers in our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Now, this is a greater purpose for serving God. Everybody remembers Father's Day. You love your dad, and you give him everything that he wants. All God wants is obedient children that will submit themselves to him, that he can glorify himself in them. Look at 10. For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. You see how it's rough at first? Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. So you see, God wants us to walk this straight path that we can go through this regeneration and be righteous in Christ, but we've got to go through the correction. We've got to go through hearing God's word. We've got to be trained. We've got to learn how to follow God, how to cease to do evil and learn to do well. So this is the importance of God's word because it transforms you from the inside out, not just in this life, but in the one to come. Look at verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest um, any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So as you can see, the purpose of this is that we won't have any root of bitterness. Let's look forward to the grace of God while well, he takes us through our whole lifetime, our whole process to know him, to draw closer to him. This is a beautiful experience is to once, you know, be one way and to be redeemed. When Adam and Eve fell, man, if you read that first book of Adam and Eve, I mean, it tells you about how they felt and what they knew that they lost. But Christ is coming with an even greater story that if we can just buckle down and do what he says and love the changes that he brings in our lives, 
there'll be no roots of bitterness springing up in us, you know, and we will not be defiled people. Why he says this? Look at verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, for, um, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Now, this is just what happened with Jesus and Judas. Judas sold his birthright. So what did the Lord give Judas? His portion. I know what you're going to do, and I know what it is you want. But if you think that which you're seeking after Judas is great, then enjoy your one little morsel of meat. You know, and that's what we're giving up outside of the word of God, outside of him guiding us in our lives. Look at verse 17. For he, I mean, for ye know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, some people could say, man, God is cold. He begged for it with tears. But you see, Esau didn't respect his birthright. Esau favored food because he was famished more than he cared about the inheritance or the blessing. We can't let ourselves be this way, guys. We've got to seek God in every single way because you don't want to give up the inheritance of God just so you can enjoy your momentary pleasures. Now, it says he carefully sought it with tears, but the birthright was already given to Jacob. Don't you know on Judgment Day when we all stand before the Lord, do you really think that your tears are going to get you into the kingdom of heaven when all we had from the beginning was the word of God, that we might obey it, live our lives in accordance with it, that we will be saved? Do you realize that at that point you can't cry enough tears for God to change his mind? We will all be judged for what we have done in our mortal bodies, and that's why he tells us to be partakers of the grace Understand what the purpose is for. You're not living every day unto your life and your pleasures. You're living every day to find out who this Jesus is, that, man, we may go off into glory with him, that we may fulfill his will and live forever in his paradise. So let us think about that. Do you want the one morsel of meat? Do you really want to live by bread alone? Or would you rather live by every word of God? That's why the Bible tells us, first seek the kingdom of, of God and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Set your affections on above, above, not on things on the earth. So I just want to tell people with that, I love you, and we've got to understand what the purpose of living by the word of God is. Because if you live by bread alone, there are too many that have gone to hell believing that lie. It is not the bread that sustains you, but only the living bread, the bread of life, the only one that can give us what we need that we might inherit eternal life. So Sarah or, you know, Brother Mike, I don't know how you're feeling, but I'll give it back to you. And if not, you know, we can close out in um, prayer. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to add one verse. And this is something that, you know, we've gone over quite a bit, but it's one of the hardest things to do, but it's one of the most important things that we as believers can do. And this is Second Corinthians 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If we Amen. could actually do that, 
if we could actually do that and live in total obedience unto Jesus Christ, what a powerhouse we'd be against the enemy. I mean, honestly, because we really do have to cast down those imaginations. We really do have to cast down every thought that comes against, you know, that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus, knowledge of God. And so it's like, if we, you know, when we are able to do that, there's no telling what the Lord can do with us. But it's getting over that imagination, things that we're imagining, things that we want in this life, and just totally saying, you know what, Lord, it doesn't matter if I'm with somebody or not. It doesn't matter if I've got a nice place, fancy cars, all that kind of stuff. That means nothing. When all that stuff becomes absolutely nothing to us, and Lord's just, uh, he's, he, he's a way maker anyway. And so that's just that's it. Right. I mean, he's, he's working in our ministry. Brother Michael Adams, I know he's working in yours. He's working in, he's working in the ministries where he knows, hey, these people are going to serve me. They got their issues, they got their stuff that they're going through, but all in all, they are going to serve me. And he will, he does bless. We know this beyond That's a shadow right. of a doubt, the Lord does bless those that follow That's after right, him. That's right, because absolutely, and I want to end it with this last scripture. This is Hebrews 4, and verse 11 through 12. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick mm-hmm. and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How could we pass up this? Amen. It sounds like we're going to need it in every part of our lives. So I just want to tell people out That's there, true. I love you. I'm not trying to preach a hard message, but I'm recognizing that the devil is getting ready to drop us flat. And when it comes down to it, when this economy collapses, when all hell is breaking loose, we better know the word of God. And more importantly, we better be guided by it. Because aside from Christ, we've got nothing. So if we can, uh, let's go out in prayer. All right. Heavenly Father, I want to say tonight. Heavenly Father. Go ahead, Sarah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No, it's Sorry. cool. Uh, Heavenly Father, I, I come to you this evening in Jesus' name. Yes, Oh, Lord. God, I just want to thank you again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God Almighty, for just this opportunity and time that you've given us. Lord Jesus, you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and... It is so true, Lord Jesus Christ, that we have to realize that we are on the winning side if we have you in our lives, Lord Jesus, because the ultimate goal is to tell as many people as we can about you, your word, and how to enter into the kingdom of heaven and to get outside of this life. But when we have you in our life, Lord Jesus Christ, we are the majority, and we are not alone. When we have you, Lord God, we are not alone. And that's what we, everyone here has to realize, Lord God, that when we have you, our life is complete. It's not money that fills us. That's all vainglory. It's not having everything in this life. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the only everything in this life that will ever sustain us. 
that will ever take care of our every needs, Lord Jesus Christ. You are the rock of our salvation, King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord Lord. God, we are scheduled to die, even in our mother's womb. We are living in these vessels, Lord, and I truly believe in the power of your healing. Lord God, these bodies are withering away. And we are not promised another day on this earth either, Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to live every day as it is our last. And to tell as many people about you as we possibly can to get off this sinking ship, Lord Jesus Christ, because this economy is not going to get any better, Lord. And we shouldn't actually pray for it. Because if that is the case, Lord, we don't want your kingdom to come. And that is what we are actually praying for, Lord Jesus Christ, that your will be done, that your kingdom come. And, Lord Jesus Christ, that we will enter into your rest, that we will be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but not just with a barely, you you barely get in, but to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom of heaven. That should be what we want to hear from you, Lord Jesus Christ, but it's going to take a nature change, Lord. We've got to get outside of our comfortability to do your will in everything we do. Lord God, if our needs are being met, which I do believe you take care of every single one of our needs, and we need to thank you, Lord Jesus. We really do need to count our blessings and to know, Lord Jesus Christ, if we've got a roof of our head, if we've got food on the table, if we've got a bed to sleep in, if we've got AC or heat or whatever it is, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. If we've got transportation of whatever sort, thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Lord God, for actually allowing us to go through certain trials and tribulations so we can give you all the praise, the glory, and honor that you find us worthy, Lord God, to go through these things because the last days we are living in them, and it's only going to get worse. But our joy and our peace only relies in you, Lord God. So I'm asking and praying in the name of Jesus that you pour out an anointing tonight. Lord Jesus, a fresh anointing of your Holy Ghost power upon these ministries, Lord, upon this ministry, upon Michael Adams' ministry, Lord Jesus Christ, and all other ministries out there tonight who are also in the spiritual warfare as well. Touch them, Lord. Bless them. Continue to strengthen them and encourage them and build them up that we will be established upon your kingdom, Lord Jesus Christ, that we will ask you, Lord God, what more for the kingdom of heaven can we do? What more for you, Jesus, can we do? that people will be saved. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to add tonight that the only purpose, Lord, I don't want to pray against the economy because I know that you're sustaining your people in some ways. But, Lord, I'm also asking that while you have given us the resources to use things like talk you and YouTube to reach others. Lord, I pray that you make a way that these people get sustained. I pray that you open new avenues that the gospel may be preached. So, Lord, we're not forsaking your grace. Yes, we're not forsaking your mercy because you're allowing this time for your word to get out. Where others are going through serious persecution, Lord, you are enabling your people a chance to hear your words. So, Lord, we don't doubt that your goodness or your love is not involved in this. But, Lord, all we're saying is we want no allegiance to this stuff. We'll use the resources as we have to reach people with the gospel, to take care of our families. We thank you, Lord, for you are good and you are a great provider. But we also ask, Lord, that we reach the masses with what? 
with what they need, Lord, that they may know that they don't live by bread alone. And, Lord, when your time is up, we just pray for your grace that you sustain us in the coming days. But, yes, Lord, the overall goal is the kingdom of God. Lord, we pray that you just lead those who want to be saved, who want to hear the truth and the gospel, our direction. We pray that you bring in the harvest, Lord, but we're not capable of it, for you are he that can do all things. We pray and we ask, Lord, for my brother Michael and his health and his family. We pray for the listeners out there, Lord, that they not just become hearers but doers. And we pray, Lord, that if they're being blessed by these messages, let them share your word. Let them share the gospel. You know, if you had water and you were in the desert, would you rather people just, would you just take a drink and watch those that are thirsty traveling? So if you're feeding off of it, then share the gospel with those who may hear the truth. And we just pray, Lord, that you just turn your people from spectators into participants because we all have to reach the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. And if you won't go, and if you won't go and do what God says, then we just pray that you support those that do. Why? Because there are people in those Amazon jungles, in those deserts, in those places of persecution that are going forward. And if we can, let us help the people of God and their needs. And I'm not talking about with money. I'm talking about with prayer. I'm talking about with support. I'm talking about with spreading the word. Why? Because Jesus is that bread of life, and we cannot live by bread alone. So, Lord, we just thank you for who you are and what you do. And let all these things that we pray for be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. Well, once again, uh, Eric, uh, Eric, Derek Hallett and uh, Sarah Hauser, the Sound of Trumpet Ministries dot com and YouTube channel. Thank you for uh, allowing me to step back in this uh, excellent teaching. All praise and glory go to our Most High and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Jesus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.